Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we have the pleasure of having Dr. Holly D. Kelly with us. Now, Holly was born in Richmond, Virginia, to a military family, living in several states and in Europe before the family settled in Georgia. This lifestyle initiated her love for people, travel, and different cultures. Professionally, Dr. Kelly spent 22 years as a United States Marine traveling to the East and West Coasts and overseas, and another eight years working with military members and their families. Having been the recipient of excellent leadership early in her military career, Holly immediately fell in love with and began pursuing the convergence of two passions, leadership and education. As founder and CEO of Impact Solutions, a personal development and leadership company, Holly has the high privilege of coaching and training those in leadership, those in the position to impact lives. Teaching leadership principles for more than 20 years, she is passionate about helping people reach their highest potential and ensuring they take seriously the weight and responsibility of leadership. Dr. Kelly's personal philosophy sums up what she believes her God-given purpose on earth is. If I cannot impact another's life, then I have wasted mine. So welcome, Dr. Holly Kelly. How are you? I am wonderful in yourself. I'm doing well. We are so excited to have you on our podcast. And as you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership. And we want to do that today by asking you key questions. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? I am indeed. Yes, you are. Look at that smile. I wish people could see your smile. It's wonderful. (laughs) Contagious. Anyway, can you share with us a little bit of your leadership journey? Well, you know, I am probably not your typical guest because I did not grow up in the professionally in the academic environment, but I absolutely have a very clear map of my leadership path. And it actually started out as being a good follower. (laughs) I happen to think that Um, Those who respect authority and know how to be led are in the best position to step into leadership. So my background is in the military, the United States Marine Corps. Wow, awesome. And for the last 29 years, I have been an active duty Marine and or retired and working with Marines and their families in a host of different leadership positions. And, And so my leadership, I believe... I can trace it back to two people in particular who saw in me what I was not trying to show them. And they they heard what I was not speaking out loud and they demanded more from me and they held me to a higher standard. And so having been the recipient of that excellent leadership, you know, it demanded that I pay it forward. I know that their leadership for me 
changed the trajectory of my life, not just career, but my, my personal life as well. And so I've always had the compunction to make an impact in others' lives the way it was made in mine. Well, first, thank you so much for your service. That's awesome. I'm sitting up taller now. <laughs> I'm excited. So you were in the Marine Corps for how long? I was an active duty Marine for 22 years. And then I spent another almost nine still working with Marines and their families. And one of the things that you said that really spoke out to me was when you first started, you said to be a great leader, you need to be a great follower. I believe that. It's very difficult to be authentic if you have not been there, done that, so to speak. And I think people can sense when you are trying to tell them to do something that you have never done or not willing to do. And it doesn't come across as authentic. Having been in a place where you had to be a follower, you had to be able to accept those that are over you and accept authority being placed over you. I think that's a setup for excellent leadership. Wow, that's a great perspective. Because oftentimes, and especially in education, we come into leadership. And sometimes we are under people who don't lead well. And so to learn to follow, even when you're not led well, it's humbling, but to follow well, sets you up for the future. So that's really great advice. Thank you so much for that. Um, Now, how would you describe your leadership style? You know, Lily, in preparation for your question, I went back to several people that uh, have worked for me, that have worked with me, that I have worked for. And I asked that question. And I did that deliberately because sometimes we can get into the habit of placing ourselves at a level 10. Mm-hmm. And the impact that we're having on others is like a four or five. And so they do not match. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see if what in my head I was projecting was actually being received. And so my response is a compilation of their answers. And I think the bottom line came out to, after the compilation, servant leadership with a bold, confident stroke of firm accountability. Wow. Um, I, I tend to agree with that. Well, I so have to tell you, I haven't come across a guest yet who has done that. I mean, I've had plenty of amazing guests, but the fact that you went back to your people and asked them and surveyed them, you're, you're amazing. You prepare really well. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel very honored. So a servant leader. Another thing that you said that just kind of jumped out at me is how you, you know, you're looking at rating or ranking, right? A a leadership at 10 versus a two or three. Where does that come from? Well, I am also a certified Maxwell leadership coach and teacher. And so, yes, even before I, I became certified, because I am a student of leadership, and I'm sure in part because of my professional background in the military, so leadership and people have always been fascinating to me. And so I've been a student of it for decades. So I'm going to have to put that back with my military background. I've had so many leaders. And before I ever read the 21 Irrefutable Laws or or knew about the law of the lid, I was under leadership that was excellent and in some cases not. Mm -hmm. And so I know that intent versus impact is often so difficult and so different. Many times I don't find too many leaders that would ever say, oh, you know, I'm a good solid three. They would not say that because <laughs> they, they believe that they are nine or ten. Right. But the impact that they are having on those under them. And this is transferable. Leadership is transferable. If you're in the military, if you're in academic 
society, if you're in a school, if you're in corporations, if you are in a faith-based community, leadership is transferable, those skills are. And so I've always been interested in the impact that I'm making, not as much my intent. My motive matters, but if what I am impacting is completely 180 degrees from my intent, then that's on me. I need to back up and find out where the disconnect happened. So as a leader, you can have an intention to do something, but you have to look at the outcome, the impact that you're having and kind of tailor it or adjust it, right? Absolutely. Now tell us which quote or quotes about leadership speak to you and why? Okay. Can I please have two? Of course. You can have (laughs) as many as you want. Well, I do love quotes, but for years now, I have combined these two. And the first one I'm sure you're very familiar with, Dr. Maxwell says, everything rises and falls on leadership. I believe that down to my cellular level. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And then I combine that with a biblical passage from 1 Kings 3 and 9. It was in the form of a prayer from... King Solomon. And he asked God to give him a discerning heart to govern the people or lead the people and to distinguish between right and wrong because he realized that he wasn't able to lead or govern so great a people. I know minimally the last 10, 15 years I've combined those two and I use those quotes as my foundation for leadership to serve as my guardrails and the fact that I need help and I've got to seek guidance in leading the people and distinguishing between right and wrong. And I just merge those two. You know, on my website, that's the quote that I have. Everything rises and falls on leadership. It is a great responsibility. And I think these two quotes are amazing because with that responsibility, you need the wisdom. And and, and Holly, I've learned that wisdom and humility go hand in hand. And sometimes I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) I understand that. (laughs) Because, you know, I want to be wise. But at the same time, you can't gain wisdom unless you're humble. And sometimes that's very difficult. So thank you for that. Now, what type of leader are you inspired by and why? You know, I think for me, the leader that gets the best response from me and the most respect is one who is selfless, authentic, competent, and a person of character. And over and over again, I find that is what I am drawn to. Selfless, authentic, and competent. And a person of integrity. I can probably put integrity first. That That is foundational for me. But yes, you must be competent. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting that you said the leader who will inspire or get the most out of me or who you will perform the most for. And that makes sense, right? When you think of someone who has integrity, who is competent, who is authentic and selfless, we're more apt to go the extra mile. Absolutely. Um, And so it inspires us too to be the same as leaders. So that's great. Thank you. Now, what's the best advice you've ever received? You know, actually, I really had to think about that because when you are under the umbrella of excellent leadership, you grow so much. And it's in part because of um, the advice they give you and the guidance they provide. But I think I narrowed it down to being told years ago that, listen, Holly, no one can beat you being you. Mm. And so stay true to that. You're always going to be able to sleep without guilt. And so I've always taken that to mean that I have a responsibility. It's not optional, 
I have a mandate to live and walk and act in integrity, regardless how uncomfortable it may be at times. Mm-hmm. I love that. No one can beat you at being you. That's right. That's awesome because any sense of insecurity, when you think about that, just goes out the window. Because you're not, you're not in competition with anybody. And so you need to represent you. So that's great. You know, as someone in the military, you've developed good teams, probably even great teams, I'm sure. What does it mean to have a good team and how would you build or sustain one? You know, I absolutely love this question because I've done both. I've worked solo and I've worked in teams. I always have found it to be a challenge to build a great team. And coming from the military background and even in the nonprofit sector, which I do a lot of work, I believe those that wait to call themselves good leaders or excellent leaders are the ones who take what they get, pull the best from each of those members, and then build a team that can bring an A-game every day. Not necessarily those who get to go out and cherry pick the best of the best and then put that together and call a team. So for me, it is a responsibility in building a team that, you know, you get what you get when when they come in. Mm -hmm. You pay attention enough, you're deliberate enough in learning those members so that you can pull the very best. Everyone has a different set of strengths to bring to the table. And so when I am in excellence as the lead on that team, I go in and find what is absolutely their strength zone. I liken it to building a house. The foundation has to be laid and it has to be solid. And so in the military, Marine Corps in particular, we have a set of core values, honor, courage, and commitment. And every Marine knows that we begin our Marine Corps career, learning and having those characteristics, those core values ground into us from the ground level. And so it establishes a foundation. And so even in companies, in schools, in districts, there are a set of core values. That has to be the foundation for anyone coming in. And then you simply start building the walls that go up. And the walls consist of bringing those team members in and having them work in their strength zone. So even if the secretary has the position and has been given the position and the job of answering phones and, you know, taking care of attendance and that front desk type of responsibilities, if that person is not a people person, they're in the wrong spot. And that will absolutely weaken the team. But they're phenomenal with numbers. So it's my responsibility as the lead to take that square pig and get it out of the round circle. And so it's always been a fascinating challenge for me with all of the different duty stations and transfers and new companies or or units that I've walked into to make that my responsibility. We all have the same foundation and then leadership and places the correct people in the correct position to move the train forward and accomplish the mission and absolutely get the best out of everyone. It just creates a better working environment when the team is solid and and has integrity and um, competence and respect for each other. 
I love your answer. I love how you started off with listening to your team or listening to the people around you. How do you do that? What do you listen for? This is going to sound esoteric, but I think it's just a skill that I've learned over the years. I do one-on-one interviews, obviously, you know, that's not uncommon, but I listen for what they are not saying. And it's just so obvious at times for things that are not being said. For example, if someone comes in and they have been irritated, they've been frustrated, they've been short with all of their peers or their colleagues, their co-workers. And yet when asked how everything is, the response is, oh, it's good. I'm fine. All is well. That doesn't so, match. No. And so I don't leave that there. So if the rapport has been built well enough between myself and this person, I can dig. And even though sometimes when you dig into a wound, it's uncomfortable, my digging is based on my care for them. I value people and I also value the team. And when that disconnect is continuing to happen, you know, they're saying one thing and their life is showing something else that weakens the team. And so it's my responsibility, regardless of how uncomfortable it may be, it is my responsibility to find out the why behind that. And that was another thing you mentioned it too, that you value them. You know, as a student of leadership, I know that that's something that we need to do. Thank you so much for that. Now, can you tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it has shaped your life? That would be Holly D. Kelly is the biggest challenge that I continue to face. And and I say that because I recognize that this is a Maxwell thought as well, that self-leadership is the hardest. So I recognize that some of the issues I faced growing up continue to plague me. They become like little gremlins that although I know I want to do better and be better and have more, the gremlins continue to, you know, try to pull you back down. I, I grew up in an alcoholic home and mm-hmm. it, it got better and it's fine. Now, there are issues that come along with that. There are trust issues and there are communication issues and there are issues of self-confidence, believing in myself. And so the biggest challenge that I continue to face and I work very, very hard to overcome it is the fact that I can believe in myself. Mm-hmm. I can the work that it takes to become the person I choose to become. And so that is a constant battle. I want, I desire to be the excellent leader that was shown to me. And I have had successes in leadership, but it is not without work, a constant effort to be a better version of Holly. Right. So this is great because this is where I do most of my work and this is where you see around you people who are captured or still imprisoned by their gremlins of the past, right? And most of the time we don't see this. We need people speaking into our lives. So can you tell us a bit about how that occurred for you? Did you have people speaking into your life? Absolutely. And it was those I I spoke of earlier, two people in particular, they saw what I was not showing them. And they knew there was more to me. They When I say they demanded excellence from me, if I thought I was performing at a seven, and I was very proud of that, but they saw that I didn't speak to someone correctly, Or there was some haughtiness in the way that I spoke to them as if I were better than them. If they saw that, if they heard that, they would snatch me up very quickly. 
And I appreciated that because, again, the intent versus impact. We need people in our lives who care about us enough, value us enough, love us enough to check us on poor behavior, to check us on our blind spots and to check us on the impact that we're having on others. And that's an investment. They invested in me. They knew what I wanted to do. They know that I loved people, valued people, but the impact wasn't always like that. And on several occasions, very quick story if I have time. Okay, so part of my personality is is very straightforward, black and white, no frills, and coupled with the very regimented disciplined lifestyle of a Marine, they can, they go hand in hand. And sometimes I do not speak to people always the way that they can receive it because I am cut and dry, black and white. I don't need a lot of hand holding. I speak to people like that and it doesn't always go over. I learned years ago that just because someone does what you tell them to do, does not mean it was done well. If I have a higher rank or a higher leadership position, if I am the principal, the supervisor, then of course you're going to do because your your paycheck is on the line, your career is on the line. But how I do it can grow the person, can empower the person, or the exact opposite can happen. So I mentioned that example in particular because people have told me, look, That's not the way you talk to people. You could have done that better. And I received that because of the respect that I had for them. But had no one snatched me up, had no one pulled my coattails and said, there's a better way to do this, I wouldn't have known. And you can become like a bull in a china shop. Right. And um, speaking of rank, what rank did you have in the military? I came up the enlisted rank and I went to a meritorious staff sergeant after the drill. I was on the drill field as a drill instructor and then I became commissioned and I retired as a major of Marine. See, you didn't mention any of that. I don't think I have it on your bio. You're so amazing. Uh, I love you. You are major in the Marines. You go. That's awesome. But I do want to park here a little bit because this is where most of my work happens. This is where self-leadership is so, so incredibly important. And all that you said has so much value. And I really want people to rewind and listen again and again, because if we don't deal with our stuff, our gremlins, then it really impacts relationships, especially really close relationships. And I'm speaking from experience. Um, But then when we take it into leadership and we haven't dealt with those gremlins, our past, we impact many people and we hurt many people. And so that's a great responsibility. And we certainly need to have people speak into our lives. So Holly, I really want to thank you for just pouring yourself into this. And I know that you do live Facebook sessions. That's how I saw you. And I said, (laughs) Oh my goodness, look at her. And you captivated me. So tell us what you do. I am the founder of Impact Solutions, and Impact stands for Inspire, Motivate, Prepare, Activate, Cultivate, and Train. That is my responsibility. That is my purpose and my why, to impact lives. And my heart's greatest desire is to impact the lives of those who impact lives, and so in particular, educators. Because you have such a role to play in the lives of young people. If we are not doing that well, we don't just hurt a student for one semester, per se. The impact that an educator has on the life of a young person 
impacts generationally. Right. Because you don't just teach math or science or English, you teach students and we're teaching them daily. And so I have a live Facebook or it's out there on YouTube called Dr. Kelly's Perspectives. And I speak to leadership. I speak to um, my passion areas, which are primarily, they boil down to faith, family and friends, leadership and education with our young people. You know, I just take various topics that are within that realm of my passion list and I speak to them because leaders make an impact in the lives of young people and so so often especially within the education realm with all the responsibility and the time constraint and the budget constraints and parents and students and administrators and super I get that but we sometimes we lose the perspective of the why what was the why why did we get into this educational realm. You either loved children or you loved seeing the light go off. You loved knowing that you made a difference in a lives that will impact years from now. And so often, too often, we can lose sight of that. And so my perspectives is my opportunity. It is my way to give back to the masses that I would never be able to reach one-on-one. And I love it. So if our listeners wanted to reach you or connect with you, what's the best way to do that? I would have them go to simply www.drhollykelly.com. And Holly is H-O-L-L-I-E. Mm-hmm. And Kelly is K-E-L-L-Y.com. Exactly. Or you could Google Dr. Kelly's Perspectives. And they will come up on YouTube as well. Great. And I've seen you enough where I felt so comfortable talking to you and, and seeing your smile. And it, it just connected us immediately. So what you're doing is certainly effective. So keep doing it. Don't give up. You inspire the heck out of me. <laughs> <laughs> so Holly, can you tell us one of your greatest successes and how it has shaped your life and the life of those around you? I will go back to, I think, the first time I actually saw this, and I'm so grateful that it has happened numerous times since. But as a Marine Corps drill instructor, you literally have the responsibility to take civilians and within 12 weeks turn them into basically trained Marines and remove the individual and build the team from the ground up. And so I point to one of my greatest successes the first time I actually saw that come to life, live and in color, that I had made an impact in a life. And they came back to me several years later and told me the impact that I helped them to believe in themselves. And that to me is the greatest gift I could ever hear. It means I'm walking in my purpose. I'm in my strength zone. I'm in my sweet spot, as some people say. I am in line with what I was created to do. Mm-hmm. And so uh, to hear that, again, I have a mandate to pass that forward, to keep it moving because it was done for me. That's such an incredible purpose. That's such an honor to be in that position where you can do that for people. Which I, I agree, Lily. It's a privilege. It is a It has a huge weight of responsibility, but it is a privilege. Right. And it's the same with teaching, with educators. Um, We educate the world. I have to tell you a quick story. I was celebrating my niece's birthday at at a random club in the city, crowded as all heck. And a student came up to me and she says, oh, my goodness, you're Professor Sanabria Hernandez. I remembered her face, but it was so touching. Like that made my night. 
and you know, I was tired because I, I don't party like I used to, but that, and, and that made my night. So, yeah. so yes, I get that. And you know, most educators, that's why we do what we do. Somehow it gets lost because of it could be poor leadership. It could be there's so much thrown at us. Speaking of that, what would you tell a new leader who's discouraged about their working climate or culture? You know, I am always going to start, and I do this now because I do coach, I do mentor. I always start with the person and a handheld mirror. There's one thing absolutely that you can change. Hmm. You may not be able to change that environment, but Self-assessment is huge, and I happen to believe that discouragement is a mindset. And that's not to say that I don't believe in discouraging or dysfunctional environments. I know they exist. I have worked in some of them. But I believe we have a choice, and that being at peace is one of those options, even if that takes work. I'm going to ask them to check hard and dig deep and to remember their why. And if it's strong enough, it will help you come up out of discouragement and to see the path that you can change. You might not be able to change everything about your environment. You can change your mindset and I'm sure there's an opening and I'm going to help you find the opening to what you can control because I believe you control what you can control and then make a conscious decision about the rest. Mm -hmm. There was something that I was told years ago and I've used it. It's a transferable skill again. And I use it in all situations. They said, don't you ever allow one duty station or one supervisor to dictate when you exit the Marine Corps. And granted, that was the context at the time, but it's transferable to any organization. If you got into education because you love children, you love to teach, you love to open up and expand minds, then you cannot allow a school, a teacher, a principal, a superintendent to dictate your why. We just have to back up. And sometimes it's a matter of just hearing, okay, buck up, Bucky. Let's go. This is called real life. You change your mindset or you change the one lane that you can change. Well, it goes back to what you said before, learning to follow well. I love that. So, you know, many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. What does that mean to you and what are you learning now? I think being a lifelong learner, I call it L cubed, lifelong learner, L to the third power. I think it is one who refuses to let go of their natural curiosity. It doesn't always mandate that you are sitting in a college or a university class, but do you always have a book with you? Are you always reading a new article? Are you always listening to a podcast or a TED talk? Are you curious? Do you want to know more? Do you want to discover more? Do you want to expose yourself to something you've never seen, heard, or done before? Those are lifelong learners to me. It's funny, L cubed, L to the third power. I love that. I call it ATL or ATC, which is addicted to learning, addicted to creating. Yes. You know what? Yes. I can't stop. Exactly. It's a, it's a beautiful thing because your mind is open. Um, you're open to other people's perspective too. You're open to connecting um, and you're open to growing. And so isn't that what we're supposed to do? I mean, as leaders, as teachers, you know, learning Absolutely. from our students. Or if not, we find ourselves stagnant. 
And, and you've spoken about being stagnant. No one is nourished by a stagnant pond. And if we are in the position as educators and leaders, then we have a professional responsibility, I believe, to continue growing. And so, again, I've been a student of leadership for decades now. So I always have a leadership book before me. I'm, I'm rereading Blackaby's Spiritual Leadership. I keep Maxwell before me. And then I read a lot of biographies. So speaking of that, what what should our listeners read that you've read? Well, I, this may seem unconventional, especially for educators, which the bulk of your listening audience is. I have been recommending lately Brian Stevenson's Just Mercy. And even though he is a lawyer, he is the epitome of an advocate for the oppressed and the marginalized. And so as teachers, as educators, so often we get into the field because we want to bring out the very best and expose and build up those young people. This book has done it for me over and over again. Every time I recommend it, it's a hit. He will leave you inspired not to tire, not to give up, not to quit. And because educators give so much of themselves to young people and too often with little affirmation or a tremendous amount of criticism, this book is just filled with encouragement. Even though the stories could be depressing, the push that he has to make their lives better is what I'm going to recommend, especially to advocates and and teachers are advocates. Just mercy. Wow. I'm going to buy it and I'm going to read it. You have to. (laughs) So Holly, I know that you're very disciplined. So what do you do on a daily basis to set your mind for the responsibilities you have? I tell you, I I am disciplined. I'm an early, early riser. So what, what time is early? Early is 315, 330. Oh, snap. You are probably <laughs> the earliest riser I have spoken to. <laughs> I'm an early riser in part because the responsibilities that I have are tremendous because people are involved. And so I have to prepare myself. We spoke about the stagnant pond. Right. And so I just believe in the airline industry's mantra. Put that mask on yourself first before you attempt to help anyone else. And mm-hmm. so I start my day with uh, my foundation and my strength. So I, I spend it in prayer. I read the word of God. I journal. I've been journaling for years. And so uh, between prayer and journaling and uh, I still get in physical activity four or five times a week. And then music. Those are the things that I do on a daily basis to set and prepare me for the responsibility that I've taken on. Oh, wonderful. You know, many leaders put in extremely long hours. What advice can you give about maintaining balance? And is there such a thing? Well, I'm (laughs) glad you put that caveat on there. Is there such a thing? Because it's so difficult And I think it's more difficult for those of us who love to work and are passionate about what we do. You know, it appears to be a good thing. I'm so passionate about my work, but then it is an imbalance if home or personal relationships or health is falling apart. Right. And so the balancing act, again, that's a mandate. And as a leader, I think because I've seen this live and in color, I think that's how I first learned the need for a leader in particular to balance. If a leader works 12, 13 hour days, six or seven days a week is clearly not physically healthy and and relationships are consistently broken. People see that. 
right. you set the tone, you set the standard. It is an unspoken rule of thumb about how the entity is supposed to operate. The school, the faith-based community, the unit, it is an unspoken rule of how things have to operate in your level of expectations. So I think as a leader, we have to be conscious of that. And it goes back to the discipline and self-assessing. Mm-hmm. Having someone in our lives who care enough about us to say, you are out of control and you're out of balance. If we can't see that for ourselves. So, you know, I'm going to go back to what are we doing on a daily basis for ourselves? It's interesting that you would talk about having people speak into our lives because we can't do it alone. In fact, you know, I've spoken to some people who think they're balanced, but it's pretty clear that their life isn't. And some of them will rightly admit, you know, I crash and burn here at this at this question. And I, I love that they do that. It's very authentic. But what you say is really important that we need to balance. We need to have people speak into our life because we often don't see, especially when we love to work especially yeah. when we live our why. Um, we, we need people to help reel us back in to say, hey, 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 you're neglecting this part of your life. That's as important. So I love that. Thank you so much for that. Now, we've come to our last question, Holly, and I want to keep asking questions. <laughs> Darn it. Okay, but I have to be disciplined and I want to honor your time. Yes, discipline. <laughs> so, <laughs> Holly, if you could go back in time, What advice would you give the younger you about leadership? I love this question. I might tell her to remember that there are no wasted events or circumstances in her life. Listen to me, Holly, young Holly. Mm -hmm. Everything you're going to encounter is going to teach you something that will be used in the back end to encourage or warn or advise someone. And so don't despise those rough patches that you're going through. I tell her, just hold on. It's going to be a great ride, but it's it's going to be a little bumpy at times. But hold on and live a life worthy of emulation. Even the young Holly wanted to make an impact in life. And so just remember that there are no wasted events, no wasted circumstances. They'll be used later. Well, that's great advice. That really is. Be open to what's ahead, whatever it is. Is there anything that we haven't addressed that you would like to share with our listeners? I would just say that educators are my most beloved group of people because of the impact that they have on lives. And when you impact a life, it's not just that person. You literally change the mother, the father, the husband, the wife, the employer, the boss, the leader that that person will become. And so just recognize the impact that you have on those lives. And my hope is that when you recognize that impact, you will do everything in your power to become the best educator, the best leader that you can be. Wow. Thank you so much, Holly, for adding value to me and to our listeners. This has been awesome. I love it. I absolutely thank you for this tremendous privilege. Thank you. Hello, leaders. Don't forget to go to masterleadership.org to find out how to get a free coaching session from one of the exceptional leaders that are featured on this podcast. Until next time. Bye.